Well, Merry Christmas and Feliz Navidad. If we haven't met yet, boy, I'm so glad you're here. My name's Ethan Magnus. I'm one of the pastors, and man, you are in the right place. We're going to have a good time tonight. Hope you already are having some fun. I thought the music was incredible. The band's been working so hard. That was amazing. I, some of those songs were new to me. I just loved them tonight. Uh, listen, what we've been doing the month of December is we've been telling Christmas stories. And what we've discovered along the way is that everybody's got a Christmas story. I've had people stopping me after services, before services, because they want to tell me their Christmas story. In fact, I've got a little trick for you, okay? If you, over the next few days, find yourself at any holiday events, maybe a family gathering, or you get dragged to something with people you don't know, and you're sitting next to somebody and you're not sure how to break the ice, here's my secret. Just ask them, tell me your favorite Christmas story. Everybody's got one, whether they're 3 or 30 or 103, they've got a Christmas story to tell, and they'll be glad to tell it, and pretty soon you'll be old friends. So that's my secret for surviving the holiday parties with strangers. Just say, tell me a Christmas story. And when they tell you a Christmas story, they, they, they might tell you a, a, a funny Christmas story, maybe like this one. Oh, she's so scared. Okay, she's not scared anymore. This is good. This is good. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh. Santa fell down. Yeah. There is something universally funny about watching children cry. I don't know what it is, but everybody's <laughs> laughing, right? All right, here's another one, just because there's something funny about watching a kid cry. Here we are, brand new present. Okay, we've got to try out the brand new present. We're so excited. <laughs> oh, 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 and there he starts to cry, and Dad can't help but laugh. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, so if you ask for a Christmas story, you might get one like that. Or, or maybe you'll get one about triumphing against the elements. Have you seen this one? This one's sort of been making the rounds this year about this brave UPS driver battling against the ice. Watch this right here. This dude's got a plan. He's going to get that package into that garage. He's got it. He's going to do it. Maybe. No. Okay. That's not going to work. Okay. Here it comes. <laughs> and here comes the thumbs up. You see the thumbs up right at the very end? That's my favorite part. That guy did it. Yeah. Give it up for all the brave UPS drivers everywhere. Um, uh, maybe that'll be your Christmas story, or maybe it'll be an exhausting one. Here, I've got an exhausting one for you, okay? Uh, one of my very first Christmases with Betsy, I can't remember if it was the last Christmas of our engagement or the first Christmas of our marriage, but anyways, we sat down kind of as the holidays were approaching to plan our family and friendship obligations, and we came up with this brilliant plan. Here was our plan. Christmas Eve service with my grandma and grandpa, Phillips, here actually uh, in, in this sanctuary here at First Christian Church with their whole clan. Then we drove to Elizabeth and to her parents' house for Christmas Eve dinner and presents there. Then we drove back to my grandparents' house for another Christmas Eve dinner and then to go caroling. Then first thing in the morning at my parents' house for Christmas breakfast and presents. Then to my grandparents' house for Christmas brunch and presents. Then to her grandmother's house for Christmas lunch and presents. Then we had a two-hour break. Then we were back to my parents' house for Christmas dinner. No new presents, just playing with presents. Then we had to go straight from Christmas dinner to meet up with some old high school friends where we ate another meal and exchange presents. 
24 hours, one Christmas Eve service, five meals, I'm sorry, five gift exchanges, and seven meals in 24 hours. And some of you are actually, you're living that Christmas story right now. Like, you know exactly what I'm talking about, because this is, this, is, this is thing one for you. And you've got a thing after this, and you've got a thing in the morning, and then you're driving across town. You, you know just what I'm talking about, and you're going to collapse in bed sometime tomorrow night or the morning of the 26th, just wiped out. And maybe for some of you, even this event is just part of that list, just another family obligation. And you're kind of here because you're checking a box and it, it makes the in-laws happy. And I get that. And that's all right. Um, listen, I, I, I get that, right? I'm pretty sure that one of those seven meals I had to eat, I kind of just went through the motions and pretended to enjoy the food. I get that some of us are here just to kind of check the boxes on a whole lot of things we got to do this Christmas just to make sure we got it all done. Christmas Eve service, check. Open presents, check. Christmas dinner, check. Caroling, check, you know. But I wanted you to do something for me. Even if that's why you're here, even if you're just sort of here, just sort of check off a box, just to kind of fill out your Christmas calendar, I, I've got something I want to ask of you. Uh, take a risk with me today and be open to the possibility that God wants to do something in your life in the next 20 or 30 minutes we've got together. Just, just be open to that. You know, maybe that wasn't even what you planned on. Maybe you just planned on kind of, you know, kind of getting things done and going through the holiday motions, but, but if you would just be open to that, just give this moment a chance because there's just no telling what God wants to do in your life. Because you see, in addition to all the Christmas stories we want to tell of busy holidays and Santa's falling down and trees knocked over, in addition to all the Christmas stories we want to tell, there is, of course, the Christmas story. I mean, if you've never heard it, it's a great story. It starts out about this couple named Mary and Joseph. Uh, they're engaged to be married. They get told by angels that Mary's going to have a baby even though she's a virgin. And that that baby is going to be the Son of God. The Savior promised for centuries by God's prophets. And then the shepherds and angels and some strange foreign astronomers show up and there's a manger involved. It's the craziest story. But this year, as a church, we've been discovering something. That in the, in the middle of that big story, the big Christmas story with Mary and Joseph and shepherds, there are all these little Christmas stories. And if we'll pay attention to the little stories, we can learn a lot about the big story. We can even learn a lot about our story. And so today, I want to tell two rarely told versions of the Christmas story. It, two versions of the story that, that we don't focus on very often, but I think might be the most important two versions of the story. Not Mary's Christmas story, not Joseph's, not Matthew's, not Luke's. I'm pretty sure that the two most important versions of the Christmas story are Jesus' version and yours. Because like I said, you've got a Christmas story. Everybody's got a Christmas story. You have a Christmas story that you are writing this year. You're writing it right now. 
And Jesus has one too. I wonder what it would sound like if Jesus told the Christmas story. If we could zoom out from the manger and get the great cosmic story from Christ himself. What was the highlight of the story? Was it when the shepherds showed up smelling like sheep? Or when the foreign astronomers came with gifts? Was it meeting the widow Anna in the temple who looked at the baby and knew that she had seen the promised Savior? I guess I can't know exactly, but I think that if Jesus told the Christmas story, it would sound like this. I love them even before they had names. When they move from being dust to being daughters and sons. When we filled the world with mountains and music, fields loaded with the sound of grasshoppers, making their way from one place to another. Lions roaring and flowers blossoming. When we made places and colors we thought would delight them and hold them, hoping the world would show them what lengths we would go for them. So I grieved. I grieved when they believed that first lie, that they weren't enough. And every time after when they acted like they were missing something, when they started battling each other and burying each other. I watched. I watched as they wandered, hoping they would know that every step was taking them somewhere. But knowing, knowing that sometimes all they could feel was how much their feet hurt. Watched as they built temples and altars and towers, everything they could think of to get closer to the heavens. And I tried to listen every time they cried loud enough or whispered just quiet enough. Of course, when I learned their names, it only made me love them more. I would speak them sometimes just to see if they could hear. Moses, Rahab, David, Esther, Hosea. And when there were years of silence, when they were waiting and I was waiting until finally love couldn't wait any longer. I couldn't wait, after all these years and names, to look them in the eyes, to pass them a glass of water, to put a hand on their shoulders where they didn't know they'd been carrying the whole world, to make sure they saw the fields where the lilies swayed. I couldn't wait to be that close to her to see that kind of trust up close, 
to feel her hand on my forehead, to say her worth out loud, to see him stand by her, to watch him let this story change his whole life. I couldn't wait to learn up close what I'd known from a distance. The way a stomach can turn when it's afraid. The way a face feels when it laughs at the same time as another face. I wanted to know the hard parts too. All the things that are harder to name, harder to know from far away. The way a king can strike fear. The way friends can leave. How some hearts can keep beating when others stop. Even what it would be like for my own heart, my own body to use up all its life. What it would be like to take my very last breath and to wait for the first breath that comes after that. I wanted them and you to see how far love can go. How you are worth every move from the heavens. How love made the world and keeps the world. And I wanted, I wanted you to know that love has a name too. Jesus wants you to know that love has a name. That seems about right to me. That if Jesus were to tell the Christmas story, he might forget to mention the shepherds. Because for Jesus, the Christmas story is about you. And that he loved you before he even knew your name. For Jesus, the Christmas story is about how love could not wait any longer. How God has seen your weakness and weariness and my weakness and weariness and our weakness and weariness and worry and pain and God has done something about it. God has entered the story of our universe so that your story and my story and our story so the human story itself might get a new ending written for it. Jesus' version of the Christmas story is about just how far love would go to save you. Hearing Jesus' version of the Christmas story helps me understand some things. I know why they called him Emmanuel. It means God with us because according to Jesus' version of the Christmas story, you are no longer ever alone. Jesus has come, his story and your story now permanently intertwined. I know why they call him Jesus. The name Jesus means God saves us. Because when I hear Jesus' version of the Christmas story, I see that there is now for the first time a way out, a way through, a way forward beyond whatever story we're stuck in today. Uh, There's a letter in the Bible. It's called Philippians. 
And in that letter, uh, the author tells the Christmas story this way. Christ, who was in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the path of the Christmas story. It starts with Jesus, fully God, rejoicing in the glory of God, but not content to let our stories kind of run out and run off course. Jesus forsakes the glory of God. He comes to earth suffers and dies and then is resurrected so that now all may kneel and worship Christ and be restored to God's glory. This is the path of the Christmas story. Uh, There's another letter also in the Bible. It's called Colossians. It has a Christmas story too. It says this, The Son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. And here's where the Christmas story starts. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things in heaven or things on earth, by making peace through his blood on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, this was was how our story started. Once you were alienated from God, we were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the good news that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. Never forget the purpose of the Christmas story. The purpose wasn't to charm a few shepherds or entertain some wise men. The purpose of the Christmas story, it's even too simple to say that the purpose of the Christmas story is to forgive your sins, although certainly that's part of it. No, the purpose of the Christmas story was to end the war between humanity and God. The purpose of the Christmas story was to bridge the gap between our stories and the one God intended to write for us. 
The purpose of the Christmas story was to end futility. You know what that means, right? That's the sense that we live our lives and yet they mean nothing. They add up to nothing. They account for nothing. They last for nothing. And Christ says, I I can write a new ending to that story. In fact, God's word promises that all our labor in the Lord is never done in vain. Jesus says, I can make all of it matter. I can redeem all of it. Your worst day, I can redeem it. And your best day, I can make it eternally glorious. The purpose of the Christmas story is to forgive your sin, but it's also to heal your soul and to fix your story, to heal what is broken, to mend the damage of sin and loss. The path of the Christmas story is from heaven to earth and back again. The purpose of the Christmas story is said that your whole life, your whole story would be a story worth telling. And the power that lies behind the Christmas story, well, it's it's love. John, one of the biographers of Jesus, puts it this way. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the animating power of the Christmas story, that God loved you so much, he was not content for your story to end in ruin. And that, version of the Christmas story. Jesus' version of the Christmas story, I'm telling you, it's the most important one there is. But, there is one other version of the Christmas story uh, that really does matter. And that's yours. Every one of us has a Christmas story. Every one of us is in the middle of writing a Christmas story right now. Have you figured out the theme of this year's Christmas story? Is it parties and feasts and presents? It's not a bad Christmas story. Is is this year's Christmas story about nostalgia and memory? Or maybe it's about grief and loss. Not quite as simple a story, but for some of us, that is the story we would write this Christmas. Maybe your Christmas story is about family and travel, adventures in the snow. If we're lucky, we'll get a Christmas story about sledding and snowball fights. And listen, some of those Christmas stories sound great to me. I do hope you get some fantastic presents, and I assume everybody like me is praying for snow. But if, if that's the only Christmas story you write this year, you'll have missed it. If that's the only Christmas story you'll write this year, you'll have missed the way that God wants for Jesus' Christmas story to intersect with and transform your Christmas story. See, that's the thing Jesus does. When Jesus' story interacts with our story, Jesus has a way of turning our story into a story worth telling. 
Wouldn't you like for your story to be a story worth telling? Because Jesus can turn a a meaningless story into a story with purpose and value. Jesus can turn a boring story into a story of wonder and amazement. Jesus can turn a lonely story into a story of companionship and friendship and belonging. Jesus can turn a broken story into a story of healing and recovery and redemption. Jesus can turn a lost story, a wayward story, a corrupted story into a found story, a rescued story, a redeemed story. And Jesus can turn a story that ends. And apart from him, all of our stories do. Well, he can rewrite that story. I mean, this is just the good news. Jesus can rewrite your story so it doesn't end. Think of all the time you'll have to write a great story, to write a story worth telling if you knew it wasn't going to end. We see Jesus do this again and again in God's Word. Again and again, Jesus meets someone who has a story that they would never want to tell and you would never want to hear, and all of a sudden they have a story worth telling. He meets a blind man who sat silently on the side of the road. He heals his sight, and all of a sudden the blind man can't stop talking, can't stop telling his story. He meets a grieving pair of sisters who've lost their brother. He raises him from the dead, and all of a sudden they won't stop talking. He meets a sinner cast out because of his sin. He forgives his sin, and all of a sudden the whole town is abuzz because that's a story worth telling. Jesus meets a skeptic who thought the whole notion of a Christmas story was too good to be true. And Jesus proves it. And all of a sudden, that skeptic can't stop telling the story. That could happen to you. Some of you showed up just like that, the skeptic who thinks it's all too good to be true. Or the person with a story you're ashamed to tell because you don't think you've got a story worth telling. Jesus still does this all the time. You let Jesus' Christmas story interact with your Christmas story, he'll write you a new one. It's what Jesus does. If you're not sure you can believe me right now, I get that. It sounds too good to be true. Once you make a commitment, you come back over the next several weeks. We're going to talk about what it would look like to to, to let Jesus kind of write a little bit of your story. We're going to talk about the, the Gospel of Mark later in the spring where we're just going to learn the story of Jesus and watch interaction after interaction where he just writes a new story for somebody. You don't, don't take my word for it tonight. If you find you don't believe me, that's all right. You come back. You meet Jesus. You give him a chance. You will have a story worth telling in your life. This Christmas, here's what I know. There are only two Christmas stories that matter. There's Jesus, the story of love that could wait no longer. And so it came 
and interrupted your story. It's even interrupting your story right now in this moment. Your story is being interrupted by the story of Jesus' love. And the other story that matters is yours. And whether you'll light Jesus' right, a new ending to the one you're working on. Let me pray for you. Gracious God, I can hardly believe such a Christmas story. Well, not the one about sheep and mangers, Mary and Joseph, but the one about Jesus, who loved us so much that he came down into our story that he, so that he might write a new ending. And I just ask God that you would open hearts in this room. That we would trust that you have a Christmas story left to write in our lives. And we would give you the chance to do it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.